Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 27th of June, 2023 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hey's and hellos go out to our fellow Hong Kongers, both here and around the world. We hear you, Hong Kong, and we are listening. Our 29th of June show has the theme, Asking for a Friend, and it is on Thursday. This is going to be a cracking show, and I can't wait to hear the stories live on stage at the Fringe Club. If you haven't already gotten a ticket, grab one now through the website hongkongstories.com. And workshops. There are free workshops, and unlike ones tied to churches or businesses, we don't have morals to pass on or products to sell, just storytelling at its finest. Come and learn the art of storytelling from our hosts, and then you can use this skill in whatever way you want. Today's podcast has two speakers. The first is Karen, who enthralled us with her poem, My Bloody Period, followed by Rachel, that's me, who told the story about the trials and tribulations of trying to conceive. Hong Kong stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now with a poem titled My Bloody Period, performed live on stage in November 2022 in a show with the theme, Say What? Here is Karen. Well, I'm officially Perry. Hormones are dropping. My never regular regulars are stopping. We all know this day will come, but we never know when it's the last one. This month in the shower, watching that euphemistic crimson flower flow and swirl below, guided by tides and gravity down the drain into Earth's cavity, it suddenly hit me. I'm going to miss my bloody period. Earthy, grounding, a sign that something somewhere is still working. The faintly ridiculous yet reassuring notion that I could still have one more baby if I got my skates on. It made me think about my children growing and never knowing when it's the last time. The last time they crawl sleepily into your bed in the morning the last time they mispronounce a word, the last time they ask you to take them to the toilet. One day, it just stops. An unmarked passage from one stage to the next. An imperceptible and unpredictable movement through time. I thought about all the times that sacred blood wasn't there. The scare. And the times it flowed and stained our pants and hearts when it shouldn't have. The times the grief was overwhelming, when there were no words, and so the unspeakable remained unspoken. And yet there were so many words, unwelcome entries from the medical lexicon. Dysmenorrhea, dilation and curation, anovulation. All the times it felt like something inside me was dying that time something really did. The panicked and shameful moments, how to explain to a well-meaning stranger, please don't call an ambulance, I'm not in danger, I just need to go home and curl up on the floor with Ponstan and a hot water bottle. Two hours later, right as rain, it's just my bloody period, I said, again and again. Remember the immaculate conception? Six months of drought, followed by a flood. I can't be, I can't be, I said. 
frantically counting the months backwards and forwards in my head. Twelve months since the breakup. The maths doesn't work. Then suddenly, the arrival. The results pushed through a flap in the door, just as my bloody period dripped on the floor. Where were you, I said. They're called monthlies for a reason. How could you, my own body, commit such treason? And now, as we ready ourselves to shut up shop, still producing the occasional drop of vintage red, I will mourn this most dysfunctional of bodily functions. No more unexpected arrivals or delays. No more counting and tracking of the days. No more remembering not to use the white towels and to wear black knickers. I will need a new calendar to mark the passing of time as my never monthly monthlies softly disappear with a whisper, not a bang. And I will never know when it's the last time. For those approaching menopause and everyone who loves and supports them, the times really are bittersweet. Now with a story from the same show, Say What? from November 2022. Here is Rachel. My friend handed me the red bag with inspiring quotes on the side. One of them said, the modern woman to become more effective needs to replace wish with should and try with will. In my 30s, I wanted to become a mother. I wanted to fulfill a basic human function and reproduce. And to achieve this aim, I set out to replace wish with should and try with will. My husband and I sat down and we had a discussion. We decided that I would go off of the um, birth control that I've been on since the beginning of our marriage and uh, we started to practice all the regular horizontal exercises with a certain amount of enthusiasm. Um, but months went by and there was no results. So we booked some appointments with doctors, fertility experts, and we had tests where poked and prodded. And uh, tests came back with really positive results. No problem, they said. We can't find any problems. You shouldn't have any. Don't worry. Just continue on. And so we continued exercising. A year passed and still no results. So we booked ourselves in with more experts, saw more people, made more appointments, got poked and prodded again. The world was full of mothers and their babies. Several more months passed and we were having no success. Another year went by and the task of staying positive was becoming more and more difficult as time went on. Uh, my, the hormone medication that I was on was looping my emotions and making me go up and down. It was hard to do anything other than think about getting pregnant. And I was struggling to figure out what I could do to remain happy and positive. 
For two years, I woke up every morning, and the first thing that I did was reach above my head to a shelf above my bed and pull out a thermometer and stick it in my mouth. I took my temperature and recorded it on a chart, a chart that recorded my ovulation cycle. And that chart slowly over the years became a record of my shame and failure. It reminded me every single morning of what I hadn't achieved, of what I couldn't give to my husband, who was my support and my constant help through all of this. And friends who got pregnant struggled to tell me about their happy news. And not only was I now sad and miserable myself, but I was a cause of sad and misery, sadness and misery for other people. It felt awful. It felt, like, it felt like there was someone somewhere making a decision, and that someone somewhere was allowing 12-year-olds and women in war zones and women who were addicted to heroin to have babies, but that I somehow wasn't ready or capable. It, it felt like a judgment. Friends tried to give us advice, as they do. Drink more water. They said, you know, have you tried this position? Not awkward at all. Have you done that? <laughs> uh, you know, try a cup of tea before or maybe one afterwards. I mean, they were trying really hard to help us. But what I could hear every time somebody said that was, it's so easy. It's so natural. Why can't you do it? And we lost some friends at this time. People who fell pregnant unexpectedly and felt that they couldn't tell us, so they just basically ghosted us. And there was one incident in particular that stands out. Uh, I met up with a friend who had suddenly fallen pregnant, unexpectedly, and she gave birth nine months later, as usual, to a beautiful baby boy. And I was really excited about meeting this little guy and giving him a big auntie hug. You know, everyone loves a good newborn struggle, or at least I think everybody does. And I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. So I called her up on the phone and I said, come on out for coffee with me. A um, couple of weeks after the birth. And she came out, she had the baby in the bassinet, and she put it down on the chair next to her, and we sat down, and we had our coffee, and we caught up, and it was really lovely. And before we started the coffee, I said, oh, can I see him? Because she's got the bassinet covered with a, uh, a little blanket. And she said, no, no, no. No, no. He's sleeping. All right. So we had our coffee, and we caught up, and we had a really lovely time. And uh, then it was time for her to go. And I said, are you sure I can't see the baby? I'd really like to, you know, meet him and say hello. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, no, you're a barren woman. If you see my baby, you're going to want to steal him away and kidnap him. It was like a punch in the gut. What's really weird is that this isn't the first time, or this isn't rather the last time that this happened. And talking to other people who've also gone through infertility issues, this is not that uncommon. This has happened before. Mothers, new mothers, deep in their own emotional journey of what just happened to them, what they're taking on, look at their own babies and see that preciousness and think that, of course, someone like me is going to want to steal away something that gives them so much joy. But I didn't want their children. I wanted my own. Four years of being on the hormone medication, ovulation-inducing, hormone-stimulating, insanity, bringing, and 
I'm struggling to keep complex thoughts in my head. My emotions are all over the shop. I can't do even the simplest tasks. Then one day, we go and see the mega ultra, very best fertility specialist. And we've waited months to see this guy. And I'm sitting there in his office in my paper gown. I just had a pelvic exam. Always fun. And he's looked at all my parts and he walks over to the other side of the room and he comes back with a needle. And he says to me, oh, sorry, rather, he comes back with the needle and I say to him, excuse me, and I give a little nervous laugh, you know, like that. Do you mind if I lay down? Because I'm not very good with needles. And he turns to me and he says, well, if you can't handle a little needle, how are you going to deal with childbirth? And his remark, although cruel, was exactly what I needed. Because I went home with my husband, and we sat down again, and we had another conversation about what we were going through. And we decided to stop trying to have children. We decided it was time to just go off of the medication. And I did, and it was wonderful. My mood swings were like a ship in a storm over waves, up and down, and now, now they, they were just a smooth and gentle ferry ride across the TST Pier. Everything was starting to look bright again. I could think clearly. It was, it was wonderful. And as the medication started to leave my system, my miracle happened. Before, when I used to look around, all I could see was women and their babies. And now when I looked around, I could see women who were valued and important, who had never given birth. Women who had purpose and intention, who had never pushed another human being out of their bodies before. I am a barren woman. I am an empty vessel. I will never have children, but I am one of the lucky ones. I live in a time and with people around me who care about me for who I am, not what I can make for them. I am a modern woman. And I am also enough. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.